This is Jimmy Scroggins. I'm the lead pastor at Family Church in West Palm Beach, Florida. Are you tired of going to conferences, reading books, and listening to speakers who tell you how to do church when you know that you cannot do what they are recommending? You've come to the right place on our podcast. We're going to give you principles, strategies, and ideas that you can implement right now with the resources you have at your church because this is church for the rest of us. Welcome back to all of our listeners. Today on the podcast, we're going to conclude our season on creating a healthy church culture. If you'd like to hear more, please plan to join us at our Sharper Conference on March the 7th. We want to meet you there. We want to get to know you and we want to learn from you. So check it out, sharperconference.com. That's right. And as we conclude this season, you're really going to love this episode, Jimmy, because uh, it's all about you. Oh, how did you know I would like that? That's right. The church, uh, Your church culture is a reflection of you. And by you, we mean you as the leader. So we wanted to just talk to you a little bit about who you are as a leader and the people and the experiences that have shaped you as a leader. So can you tell us a little bit about that? I can. And as I do that, I do want to say uh, we do believe that the culture is so closely tied to the leader of an organization. So that's true for Family Church and Mm -hmm. Jimmy Scroggins. But it's true for your church as a listener and for you as a leader. And so this is really crucial for you to understand this. If you are the senior leader or if you work for a senior leader, the church culture and the, or any organizational culture is always going to reflect the experiences and the heartbeat of the senior leader. So some of the people that really shaped me as a leader would be, number one, have to be my dad. Mm. So I grew up, my dad's a great leader in our home, of course. But really, my dad is a high school football coach, and so I grew up my entire life watching him lead young men. I watched him lead them uh, and coach them and lead them through practices and lead them out onto the field in games. I watched him uh, win. I watched him win championships. I watched him lose close games, and I watched him lead. And it's not just the football players that a football coach leads. He has a staff of assistant coaches that are also grown men like him, helping him to lead the team of players. And then there are other constituencies around, like the booster club, mm-hmm. other teachers on staff at the school, other students that are involved with the program who our statisticians or managers or other people who help administrate the football team. And then there are football coaches in high school are men under authority. So there are principals and athletic directors and vice principals that are their bosses. And so I've watched my dad lead both as a man under authority and a man with authority. And uh, watching him do all of that really inspired me and really helped me to see uh, how to lead with love and how to lead with strength, how to lead with su- uh, when you're succeeding, how to lead when things aren't going as well. That was a valuable set of lessons. Then I had the opportunity later on to work for Kevin Ezel. Kevin Ezel was a mentor and a boss and, and a friend and still is. And I worked for him for 12 years, um, starting out as the, the student pastor at Highview Baptist Church, where he was the senior pastor. And as as our church grew and my role changed, I ultimately became a teaching pastor and a campus pastor and helped with a bunch of other stuff. So getting to serve with him really shaped kind of my understanding of leadership culture. And then I also got to serve as a dean at Boyce College at the Southern Baptist Theological Seminary. And Al Moeller was my boss, and he's a, a mentor and a boss and a friend, still is. 
And so working with Al really shaped kind of how I see leadership. So you've had some really great experiences, not only the fortunate benefit of having a father who was a good leader, um, which we know not all of our listeners have. You've been fortunate to work for some really great men. I think most of our listeners probably know that Kevin Ezell is now the president of the North American Mission Board. But one of the things that you've taught me and that you've taught our team is to press in to those who are pressing into you. And so you were the kind of young man who pressed into leaders, right? That's true. So that's kind of part of who you are. Right. And that is true, Leslie. I know when I went to Southern Seminary, I I didn't have any special connections or any really did. Obviously, I wasn't the smartest student at Southern Seminary, but for whatever reason, Al Moeller and I hit it off. We clicked mm-hmm. and I would go and seek out opportunities to be around him. And and when I was a student and he was the president of the seminary, I would find opportunities to drive him somewhere if he needed to go on a trip mm-hmm. or to help him set up his stuff or carry his stuff around, whatever it is. I was more than happy to be a gopher if that meant I got to spend some time with him and learn and watch him lead. And that was such a viable, valuable experience. And I'm so grateful that for whatever reason, he was amenable to all of that. And then the same for Kevin Ezell. I met him on accident. We had a, a mutual friend. We ended up connecting. For whatever reason, he needed to hire a youth pastor. Whatever reason, we just, we connected, we clicked. And I knew right away when I was around Kevin, I said, this guy is a really unique and a special level leader. Mm. And boy, that's really been shown to be true over the many years. And now the great work that he's doing with the North American Mission Board. So that is true. I did have the opportunity opportunity to be around these guys. And they were kind enough to me to allow me to learn from them. Yeah. So that's part of who you are as a leader. Now, we do want to get into the culture aspect of this. We've already defined culture on the on the podcast as something that is culture is mediated through leadership over time. Um, yep. So let's just talk a little bit about culture and then get into how we develop culture. One of the things you talk about is culture is more of a feeling Yeah, I do believe that. It's hard, you know, when you even read anthropology books, Mm -hmm. they have these long, wordy definitions of culture, but nobody can actually say exactly what it is, Mm -hmm. but everybody knows what it is when they feel it. Okay. And so I really do think culture is felt. That's why we say it's it's caught more than it's taught because Mm -hmm. it's hard to say, okay, this is our culture. The culture is the way the place smells. It's the way the place feels. It's the way people feel when they walk in the room. It's the way people feel when they work here. It's the way people feel when they worship here and when it comes to a church. And so I think culture really is a feeling and it has to do with beliefs and it has to do with kind of your customs and your traditions and it has to do with your policies and your procedure and it has to do with your your values and what you produce and yet I really think it's more felt than it is articulated in uh, some bullet point list. But I really do think it's important that you can articulate yes. that because I think when you can a leader who creates good culture can communicate what they want the organization to feel like. Because sometimes you're around a leader who knows what they want, but mm-hmm. they can't articulate it. And then you don't know what it is and you're always missing the mark and it doesn't create, that creates a toxic culture instead yeah. of a healthy church culture. So it's very <laughs> important that the leader knows what the ingredients are and can articulate them to other people. And I think that's so important, Leslie, because we do believe that culture is mediated through leadership over time. And this idea that the leader has to constantly be the evangelist 
or uh, the communicator for the culture. Mm-hmm. And the leader has to not only exude it, but the leader has to demand it. The leader has to require it so that you're even maybe even saying things like, the reason why I don't want you to talk to someone like that is that is antithetical to the culture that we're trying to create. Mm. The reason that I want you to be kind on the telephone and be polite is because that is part of our culture. You know, when you go to Chick-fil-A and they do something nice for you and you say, thank you, they always say what? My pleasure. My pleasure. That's the culture that they're trying to build. It's not just, I know it's cliche, um, but it's hilarious because now if you go to almost any store anywhere, they all say my pleasure when you say thank you and they learned it from Chick-fil-A. So this is all part of what we're trying to articulate what we're trying to exude, what we're trying to communicate, what we're trying to replicate. And it really is the incumbent upon the leader to be the one who who sets the pace for that, sets the direction for that, and articulates it. So the culture is a reflection of you as the leader. So first of all, the culture is going to reflect your personality, the leader's personality. No question personality. about it. And you've seen that at work in a number of oh ways. Oh my gosh, so much. Uh, you know, the one that just leaps to mind is Southern Seminary. The Southern Baptist Theological Seminary is in Louisville, Kentucky. That's where I did a master's degree and a PhD. I also taught there and was a dean there. And Albert Moeller is the president of that school. And he's, again, a very dear friend of mine, mentor of mine, big brother in life and ministry. And I couldn't think more highly of him. But um, Dr. Moeller is a very serious person. If you've Mm -hmm. ever been around him or watched him on television or listened to his podcast, this guy's a very serious guy. And one of the ways that he communicates that is he wears a suit and tie almost everywhere that he goes. And he insists that the people who work for him and with him closely do the same. And so when I was working at Southern Seminary, I was a suit and tie guy every single day. I'm pretty sure Al Mohler has cufflinks on his pajamas. I mean, this guy. (laughs) And so if you go to Southern Seminary, everything from the architecture to the dress of the executives in that organization to the programs that they put on, they communicate seriousness. Like everywhere you go, you feel like, wow, these people are serious about this. And the things that they are doing and talking about are very important. So it flows from Al's personality. We are serious and what the things that we are doing are important. One of the things that Dr. Moeller said about you <laughs> yeah, okay, here um, we go. that we really liked is that he called you someone who is got who has godly irreverence. Yeah, he and did. so I think our organization, our church, does reflect that to a certain extent. We don't take ourselves super seriously. We do take God very seriously, yes, ma'am. But we don't take ourselves very no. seriously, and. But that's partly your personality that kind of flows throughout the organization where we can laugh, we can have fun, we can, you know, crack jokes. And so we've already talked about some of the defining characteristics of our culture here at Family Church um, on episodes 42 and 43, but they really do flow from you. I mean, if you want to just hit again on what you feel like some of those are. Well, I feel like one of the things that we want to have around Family Church is uh, we do want to have a high trust environment where we really show love to one another, genuine love that we want to say, hey, we love each other for who we are, not for what we do for one another. Mm -hmm. So like I want to say it to all of our employees, the people that work closely on my team, you know, I love you because of you, not because of what you do for me. We don't want to have a transactional utilitarian view of one another on the team. I think we've got to have high trust and high integrity. We want to be able to exude and communicate and teach and replicate high integrity in all facets. And we think that the two major areas to demonstrate that and insist on it 
have to do with governing our sexuality and our interaction with members of the opposite sex, but also having to do with how we handle money because we think finances and sexuality are two areas that are extreme pitfalls for people in the ministry that have devastating consequences personally in terms of family life and, of course, in terms of a Christian organization, especially a church. And so we build fences are in these areas, how we handle money, how we even handle uh, gifts. If people mm-hmm. in the church want to give pastors gifts, we have a way that we do that. Our Staff Ten Commandments, which is basically, we, we kind of uh, adapted that from Rick Warren, who kind of uh, fleshed out his version of the Billy Graham rule. Mm-hmm. And so we do that at Family Church. It's just part of us saying we want to have high integrity, especially on these matters that are so vital to church health. Which I think is super interesting with, that you bring up that example, because it shows that's part of your personality. That's mm-hmm. why those things are in place but and how your personality fleshes out into policies and procedures. Because you say, <laughs> yeah, I'm true. not really a systems and a processes guy, which not is so true. Much. Not so much. And yet you do have the ability to lead us so that you can articulate the value of that characteristic. And then you can also put some things in place that help everybody understand what exactly it is and how you play it out. Yeah, so I that's hope so. Really important. Well, yeah, and I think that, you know, there are other people in our organization, and you're one of them, Leslie, that can help me develop and actually articulate the actual policies and procedures. But it's important for me as a leader to say, hey, here's the concept. Here's Mm -hmm. the value. We want to have high integrity, especially in these two areas. Hey, look at what Rick Warren did. Look what Billy Graham did. Let's do a family church version of that. And then you and some other folks on our team would be much better at actually making that work than I would. But you're right. I'm the one that has to say, this is going to be important for our organization. And a lot of that just even flows just out of respect, respect for one another, respect for each other's families, respect Mm. for each other's commitments that we've made to other people, but also respect for the word of God. I mean, that Mm. really is what all this is built on, that we have a, a deep sense of honor and respect for the authority of God's word, for the authority of God to speak into our lives personally and organizationally, relationally. Um, One of the things, obviously, that's uh, high on our culture is the idea of family. Mm -hmm. And so we want to uh, emulate the Bible. The Bible uses a lot of family language and uses this idea of family relationships to characterize how a church is supposed to function. And so we take that so seriously. That's such a high value for us. We we renamed our church Family Church. That's right. And uh, we talk about each other in terms of being brothers and sisters. And we want to treat one another the way we would treat our brothers and our sisters. And that's so uh, important to us uh, here at, at Family Church, especially on the team. And another thing that we want to do is we want to have this principle, this policy of uh, being a repenting organization. Mm -hmm. So we want to be repenting personally. So when we mess up, we want to be quick when we discover that or that's pointed out to us or we're aware of it, quickly run to who we've wronged or and just repent of it. Repent in a meeting, repent one-on-one, wherever we have to, and just say, hey, you know, that was wrong. I was out of line. I shouldn't have done that. Boy, I see why that upset you. Mm-hmm. Will you please forgive me? We want to be repenters. That's got to start with me. And then we have what's called, we've talked about another podcast, our first team concept. Right. And that just has to do with loyalty. We want every employee, every team member to have their highest loyalty and their highest confidentiality to the highest level of meeting that they attend mm-hmm. on a regular basis. And so that's just all part of kind of how we've built our culture. And it does kind of flow from my personality. Right. That culture reflects your personality. The next thing we want to talk about is how culture responds um, to the leader's vision. Uh, so tell me a little bit about 
where people find their vision? Where do you get that vision? Where does it yeah. come from? Well, I mean, it's some combination. I don't know how this all works out because I'm not a mystic, but I think a vision is some kind of uh, combination of comes from from your own mind and heart. Obviously, mm-hmm. God is involved in this, if mm-hmm. hopefully, and, and your team's going to speak into that. Some leaders kind of go up on the mountain and come down and tell everybody what the vision is. That's not me. Some people like to be a lot more collaborative and have the team help develop. I think I'm somewhere in the middle, but yeah. vision's got to come. Ultimately, the leader's the one who's got to embrace it and articulate it. So how did you develop the vision that you have for what we're doing here at Family Church? Well, I think some of it was developed at Southern Seminary, some of the things that I learned and was taught. Some of it was developed working for Kevin Ezell as I got to flesh it out in a, a missional multi-site church. And then some of this just came from my own heart, my own mind, uh, my own study of the scripture, and what I sensed God was doing. And some of it came, really did come from collaborating with people in our church and saying, hey, what are the needs? What are the opportunities? What are we good at? What are we missing? Mm-hmm. And so some combination of all of that is kind of how we've landed where we are. Yeah, and I really like that when you came to us at Family Church, you said you had you knew in your heart that you wanted to lead an organization. Right. You were leading at high levels in those organizations where right. you were and looking to actually be the person that right. was the, the buck stops here kind of person. And so you sat down with Kristen and you guys yeah, that's talked true. through what would this look like. And you came up with a grid to look at your opportunities through, which I just think is extremely wise and could you share that with our listeners? Yeah. Well, so I was a dean at Southern Seminary, and I was uh, a teaching pastor at Highview Baptist Church. And I was in a situation where I felt like God was going to change things up for us. And so we were open to that. But there's just so many opportunities. And we were trying to say, well, how are we ever going to figure out what the next thing is? How will we know what God wants? And so Chris and I began to pray together and begin to look at our own lives. So, okay, what is it that God's made us to do? What is He been preparing us to do. If we're going to leave this situation, what kind of situation will we go to where we'd be more effective for the kingdom of Jesus? And we basically came up with three things. So we said, first of all, we said we want to work in the local church. Mm -hmm. We didn't feel like at that season of life, institutional leadership was our thing. So we want to go to a church that was in a large city with lots of lost people. So we were thinking hundreds of thousands or millions of people in the metro area. We wanted to go to a church that had the potential to raise up resources to plant churches for the nations. Mm -hmm. And then we wanted to go to a church that was in proximity to or in relationship with a Christian educational institution where we could help to train new generations of Christian leaders. And so we began to pray to that. We said, okay, here's our grid. Here's what we think God's making us to do. And then we began to say um, when different opportunities would come, people would call or whatever and say, hey, would you be interested in this? Would you be interested in that? Is it a local church? It's not a local church. Okay, we don't want to do that. Mm. Okay, it's not. we don't want to go to an educational institution. We don't want to lead a camping ministry. I don't want to be some other kind of denominational work. We're going we're gonna to be in church work. Okay. And then we said, hey, we want to go to a large city. So, you know, when uh, First Baptist Church, uh, you know, whatever, a uh, small town in the South called, even though it looks like a great opportunity. And a lot of we say, you know, no, we've, we really feel God wants us in a bigger city. Mm-hmm. Or it's not near an educational, you know. Mm-hmm. And so when when uh, First Baptist Church of West Palm Beach called, we we're like, wow, look at this. This, in some ways, is a less attractive opportunity than some others that had come along, but this one matched the grid. Mm-hmm. And so we really felt like it was God leading us here and, and leading this church to us. And over time, we've seen that the culture produces what the leader values. That's true. So we've produced more churches because you have a heart for the local right? church. We've produced more disciples. We haven't talked about the fact that you have a doctorate in evangelism. Is that Am I saying that that's right? That's right. And then also more leaders, which is something that's, I think, ingrained in you from your father mm-hmm. and from the other leaders that you've been around. So do you want to talk a little bit about that, about the importance of raising up 
new leaders and how you look at that? Well, I mean, I think that's all just comes straight from the prayer of Jesus. I mean, Jesus told us to pray for more workers for the harvest. Mm. And so that's a biblical command. Uh, Jesus told us to pray for more leaders for God's harvest. I just think God's almost bound by his own character and integrity to affirmatively answer the prayers he commands us to pray. There you go. And so we're going to pray for more leaders, and God is bringing more leaders. They're not always the leaders that we want, Mm. and they're not always the particular. It's not always in the way that we are hoping for, but it's amazing that God provides the leaders that he wants for his church. And I think this is such a valuable thought about culture that it is mediated through leadership over time, that the leader has to articulate and communicate the culture, that the culture is going to reflect the leader's personality, the culture is going to respond to the leader's vision, and the culture is going to produce ultimately what the leader values. And hopefully this is helpful to you guys, our listeners at Church for the Rest of Us. This is going to put a wrap on this season on building a healthy church culture. We don't want to give away all of our material. We're saving some of it for the Sharper Conference. (laughs) Winter has just begun. You got to be freezing to death where you live. You will be ready for some sunshine by March the 7th. Check it out. Register today, sharperconference.com. Thank you so much for joining us on today's podcast. I'd love for you to follow me on Twitter at Jimmy Scroggins or check out FamilyChurchNetwork.com to chime in on our blog. We want your feedback on today's podcast. Plus, we want to know what you are doing because we want to learn from you too. Hey, until next time, this is Jimmy Scroggins and you've been listening to Church for the Rest of Us.